Welcome, everybody, to another episode of From the Vault. From this, the Vault. Uh, <laughs> from the Vault, Vault, Vault. I'm not going to go through the trouble of making that echo again. It took like 15 minutes. Yeah, no, <laughs> uh, this time we have our favorite dark rides with uh, your favorite guest and mine, uh, Jason McManus. And uh, we went, did a roundtable of all of our favorite dark rides. I think that was, uh, I remember that being a really good time. It was episode five of our show. So, you know, we were already reaching to the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> May 4th, 2020. Uh, well, interesting time then too, because I think there was talks about reopening things and yeah. you know, the two weeks had turned into two months. And, oh, oh gosh. Now just looking back, it's like, oh, oh all right. Oh, whenever we do these from the vault recordings, I'm just like, oh my gosh, what a nightmare. Yeah. Um, but uh, enjoy and make sure you like, subscribe, uh, share us with your friends, family, loved ones. Uh, we appreciate getting the word about the podcast. Many people know that we are TETV, but they do not know that we have a podcast. So uh, we appreciate everyone sharing the word. Uh, enjoy this episode from the vault. Alt, alt, alt. Hey, Andy. Hey, Patrick. Oh, I'm doing great, man. How are you? How are you, you today? Great. You worked out the lighting. It looks great. Yeah, I worked out the lighting. I'm in a spare bedroom. You know, that's the, the kind of thing that we're all doing these days, right? Making do. So we have a big, a humongous show today. Humongous show. We're going to be talking about some of our favorite dark rides. Um, and, you know, waiting in the, the rings, we have Jason. Let's go ahead and bring Jason on right now. We're live coast to coast. Hey, hey guys, how's it going? Good. So good. So, Jason, you're hunkered down. You're in you're in uh, L.A. I presume. I am. Yes, I'm in the middle of nowhere, L.A. Like so far out of L.A., it's not L.A. anymore. Oh, where's that? <laughs> it's uh, it's just north of Santa Clarita. So I'm I'm oh, like okay. in in like desert country land. Almost Bakersfield at that point, or are we? Uh, not that far. No, no, but it's far. definitely far enough where everyone around me has horses. And not quite Palmdale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, welcome to the Theme Entertainment Design Lockdown Show. We started this uh, five weeks ago, I guess. Um, just a way to get together on uh, on once a week. Talk about the industry a little bit since uh, everyone's in quarantine and why not? Uh, so, thanks for joining us. Now, how do you know? I, I met you many years ago. Um, yeah, yeah. There people out in L.A. and I know you know Andy. So, like, what's your story? What do you do for, for work? How are you involved in the themed entertainment industry? Yeah, so um, so I am a creative director. I work for Thinkwell Group, um, creative director and art director. Um, I started a long time ago, probably 16 years ago, 17 years ago um, at Imagineering, actually. I was an intern in graphic design and uh, just over the years kind of grew through different positions, became a concept designer and show writer and I've done kind of a lot of different things, jumping around and putting on a lot of different hats, and that sort of led me into uh, creative directions. So, so yeah, now I get to do a lot of things. I get to work on Lagoon shows with Andy and get to uh, do dark rides, theme parks, cruise ships, all sorts of things. So, um, But dark rides, that's that's my bread and butter. That's my favorite thing to work on. So uh, perfect show for me. This is uh, going to be fun. 
So do you have a favorite project that's been announced that you can that you can claim that you worked on that you, you're most proud of? Um, you know, everyone says that your favorite project is your most recent, but, uh, but that, that really is the case for me. I, I think, um, uh, I've always wanted to do nighttime spectaculars, always wanted to work on those types of shows. Um, over the last couple of years, I, I was fortunate to direct, um, uh, the two Lagoon shows for Universal, that uh, the two latest ones, so uh, Universal Cinematic Celebration down in Florida, and then also directed the Halloween version that we launched last year, Halloween Marathon of Mayhem, which uh, both of those were super fun. The latter I got to work on with Andy. Andy did uh, some of the music composition for that. But uh, yeah, getting to work with fireworks and fountains and all of that is just, it's unbelievable. So um, definitely my favorite recently. Yeah, that's a whole topic for another show. So we'll have to talk about that marathon. And man, I go to Halloween Horror Nights. Like, I get the frequent fear pass. I go almost every week. So I, I definitely watched um, that show a lot. So awesome. great job. Really enjoyed it. That's really fun. So we'll have to talk about that another time. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we started the show, uh, Jason, just to kind of even talk about the news in general. So we did have some news that we would love to, we could just chat about. Andy, um, do you want to take it away a little bit and chat about what you, uh, what you talked, what you saw? Sure. I just saw that uh, Robert Niles posted this news uh, to Theme Park Insider. Uh, uh, Six Flags announcing they're going to require advanced reservations to visit their parks, which is one of the things that I think we predicted uh, right at the beginning of our show uh, some weeks ago, uh, and that we expect you know Disney and Universal to maybe do as well. So uh, they haven't announced anything uh, in terms of like details, other than it's going to be an online reservation requirement uh, with date-specific tickets uh for, on an as yet unlaunched online system so i mean we'll see how that unfolds i mean i still think it's going to be months before any of the parks will open so they've got i think they got time i'm sure they're working furiously on getting that working though right now yeah a lot, lot of people thinking through that that problem right now and yeah. um i think it's going to be different i mean i think theme parks are going to be definitely very different than they were before but um you know how how do you take a social experience which is a theme park and evolve it into something that uh fits this kind of new model i don't know it's going to be interesting to see how it, it evolves yeah i agree and it's you know i'll be honest with you guys i went to six flags uh a few uh or right after our, or the american dream park opened like the opening weekend me and my boss we went over for like a research trip to six flags great adventure and they had like five different queues set up for how you enter and how many different, it was like going on an airline almost like you had mm. the, uh, the, you know, the platinum pass people, the regular pass, the gold pass, the, uh, this pass. And um, I'm not going to say it was excessive, but it was getting to that point where I was just kind of confused and I'm, I'm a theme park guy. And I was like, wow, okay, how do I even get in here? So now they're going to put a, um, <laughs> a reservation system on there. Um, you know, it's like, what are they going to require to enter? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. So, well, that's the day's news. We, we talked about, um, last week, we talked quite a bit about what theme parks were going to do when we reopen. So, we, we can, you can go back to that episode. We had Michael Libby on last week. Um, but today, we're going to talk about uh, all of our favorite dark rides, which is Yay. actually a topic, right? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so, we, you know, I, one thing that, for me, I'm not sure if it's the same for you guys, but I can't, it's really hard for me to pick, like, my my favorite, favorite dark ride. Like I have to at least do like a top three or a top five to even start the conversation. Yeah. Especially if it's like a loose parameters and it's just favorite, it's like, well, what do you mean favorite? Like, how do you, you know, how do you define that? And we even honed in that we meant, you know, not dark rides or I'm sorry, not boat rides. Cause I did disqualify one of Andy's responses. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're talking, you know, a mechanism pulling through 
a area um, and, and, you know, traditional dark ride as much as we can, but obviously we know there's different ways of doing that. So uh, Jason, I, I will say when I saw your first one, it brought a smile to my face. Um, so let's go ahead and start with, with that one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is Fire in the Hole at Silver Dollar City. Um, it's it's an attraction that's near and dear to my heart. Um, it's an attraction that... So so when you're talking about favorite dark rides, right, there's a lot of different categories you can put them in. There's some that are just good dark rides, like good storytelling all the way through. There's some that are just like really weird and bizarre, and you like them because they're weird and bizarre. Mm -hmm. Fire in the Hole kind of fits in both of those categories. It's an interesting story, and it's kind of a, a classic storytelling inside of a great theme park, actually one of my favorite theme parks. Um, but it's also just weird and bizarre and hasn't really been updated in a very long time. And so kind of like Knott's, it, it had that sort of old school charm to it. So um, the ride was built in 1972. Um, basically, the story, trying to sum it up in a, a short uh, little package. So... Um, so Branson was kind of built by um, these caves in the region where, where people started to have these shows and everything. Basically, Branson was a region where people mined for bat poop, and bat poop was a big industry in the region. Um, there was kind of this gang in, in the region called the Bald Knobbers who um, created a lot of problems in the town growing up. Um, they ended up burning down the original town, uh, Marmars, which, uh, Marmaris, which was... Uh, the uh, the original town in that region and so this attraction is about that it's about that original mining town that uh, Sil silver dollar city in that region was built on and the bald knobbers coming in essentially burning down this town so very lively happy story to uh, to form a dark ride around but essentially you're becoming a volunteer firefighter going through this attraction and the image you're looking at is actually the front facade of this attraction and I, I thought it was interesting they took this big sort of monolithic show building kind of broke it up into these multiple facades before a lot of people started doing that but um, you can't actually tell how big this sort of three and a half story tall building is when you're walking up to it but it's actually pretty pretty massive but um, but the attraction itself is kind of a hybrid between dark ride and roller coaster. So you kind of go in and you you get on this homemade roller coaster, which, uh, from what I understand, was actually um, kind of a homemade design that that Hershen Family Entertainment built at the time. Um, but also they worked with Aerodynamics to build it. So Aerodynamics actually built a lot of the structure for the attraction, did some of the engineering and everything. So. Um, but yeah, you kind of go through and um, you the, the whole attraction is almost this sort of spiraled pow powder, uh, powered coaster as you're going up and passing scenes of the bald numbers trying to kill you, essentially, and, and burning down the town and stealing people's pants and doing all sorts of weird things. <laughs> um, and then it ends with this. You, you kind of go down this big splashdown uh, into water and literally water is what stops the train from going downhill and everything. So mild attraction. The next image you had is one of the bald numbers. So again, very creepy looking people like this is nightmare fuel right here. Yeah. Um, but you go through and, and these guys are essentially terrorizing the town. So yeah. Oh, and then it ends with this, this classic sort of gag of the painting with the foot coming out of it has nothing to do with the rest of the attraction, but like somebody <laughs> thought this was a good idea. So they threw it in and, and there you go. Much simpler times. And this is the real bald numbers. This is a true story. So this is, uh, that is what one of those creepy dudes looks like. 
man. When you took me to Silver Dollar City, it not only did it become one of my favorite parks in, in the country, uh, but uh, boy, was that a weird ride. <laughs> I mean, uh, I I never experienced anything like that. I mean, even knots is very tame compared to that. Um, you know, I think the closest analog that I'd been on was the Calico Mine ride or the the log ride. But like, yeah, this homespun, folksy dark ride with, about a local super local legend. Yeah, it's uh, like, it, and it's like a weird hybrid of like Calico and Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, you know, but in the middle of the country, right in the middle yeah. of nowhere. And with this like super local legend, yeah, yeah, it was then, it was cool. They have another ver- like they have kind of not a clone, right, but a different version of it at Dollywood. Yeah, Dollywood has uh, that one opened, I think, ten years later, so they had time to improve it, I yeah. guess. But uh, <laughs> but they uh, they opened up a basically a similar ride system and everything there too. So yeah, the story might be a little different. I kind of remember. I went I went on a big coaster trip and I went on it. Um, so. Yeah, when everyone sent me this list, they had a very curated, very deep, in-depth, and I feel like mine's a little more, you know, meat and potatoes, but uh, I I stand by it. Uh, (laughs) Let me just pull some things around here. Yeah, Uh, I have a bunch of qualifiers on mine, too, so. (laughs) So I'm a big fan of Pooh's Honey Hunt. Um, So there's there's a couple of attractions that I've been on in my life where I've gotten off of it and just been kind of stunned about what I just witnessed. And Pooh's Honey Hunt is definitely one of them. I actually like filmed my reaction going on it. So for those that don't know what Pooh's Honey Hunt is, it's at Tokyo Disneyland. Um, create, I believe it opened in around 99 or 2000s, around that period. I didn't prepare in any way for this. Uh, so what's really, uh, really fantastic about this is that, you know, it really put um, the storytelling and the ride vehicles really over the, over the top with it. And this is probably one of the most, the largest use of, uh, at least mainstreaming trackless dark rides. We had wire guided rides and, you know, uh, for a few different neck, uh, different ride, ride systems throughout the years. But um, this being a, a location-based uh, LPS, location-based, you know, navigation or whatever it was called, could go around different scenes and you would you go out in a set of three. And then when you're going throughout the scenes, they're going to different areas and seeing different gags. Uh, and this was like 20 years ago. And, you know, just now we're starting to get trackless ride vehicles at Disney and domestically. Yeah. Um, there's there's so many. Sorry, go ahead, Danny. No, you were saying yeah. Okay. Uh, and there's there's so many fun gags that happen on this ride, like the 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 the, ti- the tiger or sorry tiger moment where you're bouncing with them, and um, the, the show sets are just so fantastic. Like it reminds me of Splash Mountain with the scale of it. Everywhere you look, it's 360. Uh, and then, of course, you have the Heffalump and Woozle scene where, you know, there's a ride vehicle that's being used in the center by characters. Mm-hmm. So there's the quality of the attractions over the top there. There's different routes that you take, um, you know, and it's 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 just it's truly remarkable. The details are fantastic. Uh, I, I it's you know, it's I was hoping to get something like this domestically and, you know, we're getting close, but um, I just love this ride and, and uh, I'm, I'm happy it exists out there. Yeah, ride system wise was ahead of its time a little bit. I mean, it th- this ride system or this ride, this attraction really showed everybody what that trackless system could do. Before then, everyone was like, "Well, you know, is it worth the expense of that yeah. type of ride system?" But this showed all the non-linear paths and everything you can do with it. And um, it took a while before people really adapted that into other attractions. So it it really was uh, kind of a, a groundbreaking thing at the time. 
Yeah. But then we, and then we got the dollar store version of Disneyland. No comment on that, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, a, lot, a lot of people dog that right. A lot of people hate the Disneyland version, but I actually like it. It's if anything, it's air conditioning for a few minutes, but yeah. <laughs> I, so I actually funny story. So I was like, it closed like September 9th. The country bears closed September 9th, 2001. And it opened up like a year and a half or two years later in 2003, I think. And I went during the soft opening period with my, my cousin and we went on like 33 times in one day. We just kept going on and off. There was no line and we just were doing it for goose. I've been on that ride a lot of times. It's fun. It's just, it's just a very different um, story than the, the one at food honey hunt. And also what, what's the challenge about that ride and why I think the one in Florida is more successful is that they, when you use like, when you, when you put it over Mr. Toad's wild ride, where you don't have necessarily reach envelope issues and you can get things to be a lot closer. The fantasy land that can just get more charm in it and you can get away with a lot more. And when show sets start getting further and further away, they start to lose their, their charm and you have to really work around that in my point of view. So I think that's kind of like the biggest uh, thing that they had to overcome when they created that ride. Yeah. But Andy, it's up for you. It's up to you now to share all about uh, this motion gate attraction. Uh, the yeah the the dragon gliders at uh, uh, Motion Gate in Dubai uh, opened uh, with the rest of the park in actually no it opened I think a year after the park opened uh, with the DreamWorks box uh, at Motion Gate in 2017 uh, and uh, was uh, uh, creative directed by my friend Zane Yench and uh, I I got a chance to go on it um, about a year and a half ago actually almost two years ago when I was out for the Warner Brothers World uh, opening, and I went on this uh, with uh, Dave Cobb and Jason Harvard. And uh, man, I was just completely enchanted by that that land, if you want to call it that, and specifically this ride, which uses the land in a really unique way. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a Mac-powered floorless coaster uh, that has, you know, a dark ride section and then a coaster section at the end. Uh, and uh, it's short and sweet, you know, I think the whole thing from from load to unload is less than four minutes. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the things I love about it is that it uses um, good animatronics and media in combination in really clever ways, uh, and 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 miniature show sets, forced perspective show sets, leading into uh, media like in that scene there, um, and then uh, the finale right after this scene that you're showing here. The finale, you you turn to your left and then you soar over the land and it's sort of victory lap with, you know, the beautiful John Powell score from the first movie. And it just, I was just blown away by just like how much emotion it managed to pack into this tiny little package of, you know, like a, you know, a small scale dark ride coaster. Um, you know, it helps that I was a fan of the franchise and especially a fan of the music. Yeah. Uh, the music resonated a lot with me in the way that it was used when you come, come out and, and do the victory lap over that land uh, was just really cool. Um, and uh, and then the, the spiral down at the end, uh, I think there's a picture of that, the last of the dragon pictures, um, that spiral down uh, around those two figures of uh, Toothless and uh, Burke. I think is his name. Let's see if I have that. Hold on. There. Uh, but uh, that, that's, that final spiral down... Yeah uh uh it's another emotional moment and and you know it, it's you know there's like maybe you know 10 scenes in the whole ride 
you know, yeah. but uh, no, I really loved it. I, I just was was so charmed by it. And it was certainly a treat in a otherwise, you know, desert of good options at Motion Gate. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's two things to talk about with that one. I mean, the, the, the mock ride system, first of all, is like one of my favorite ride systems ever. I wish we could use it more. It's it's on the expensive side as far as ride systems go. But man, is it such a dynamic storytelling device and everything. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, it's only as good as the story you tell, too, though. And and they told a great story. It was done super well. All, mm-hmm. all the pieces of that really came together. The other version of that ride system, the, the Arthur ride at, at Europa Park, is also um, an incredible sort of experience. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, as with all these rides, you know, like, you know, I, I, I wanted to go, you know, a little bit of a deeper, deeper cuts, you know, rather than the usual like Pirates Mansion, you know, the staples, the meat and potatoes, as you said. That's my gig. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so next up, this, you know, Jason, you picked probably the most infamous or the most legendary Disney attraction that went extinct ever <laughs> known and that is, of course, Horizon. So take us. I think I went on this ride once. I was. I. I only went to Walt Disney World like late '90s, and it may or may not have been open. I think I kind of, <laughs> like a weird dream in my head that I may or may not have gone on it. I don't remember for sure. Um, but take us, paint us a word picture along with these pictures that we have of one of your favorite rides. <laughs> you know, it's funny because uh, so so I, I teach at CalArts, and and I have a lot of students who were born like way uh later than i am comfortable with now and uh some of these students swear that they've gone on this attraction but they were born in like like 2001 i'm like that's that's not possible (laughs) (laughs) but um horizons if i had to name like my top five dark rides horizons would definitely be probably in the top three um carousel of progress is probably my favorite attraction of all time Mm -hmm. and um horizons is um sort of loosely considered the sequel Mm -hmm. to to carousel but uh but yeah horizons actually it opened up a year after epcot um opened so it was part of the phase two sort of expansion of future world and horizons is the only attraction that actually captured all of the different points of future world so um you you have all the different um pavilions horizons embodied all of those in one attraction so um it's you know it's just it's an interesting thing again let's talk about ride systems that were completely ahead of their time here here you have this sort of suspended omni mover that takes you through how people saw the future and then the sort of late 70s early 80s version of the future and um and then lets you select how you get back to to reality and everything the the whole interactivity of it at that time um is just unfathomable how how that was all pulled off with projectors and uh you know electrical cabinets at the time and everything it's just incredible but um um, just such an immersive attraction. It was a long attraction too. It was yeah. such a huge show building where you went through and went through all these different experiences. But um, that guy right there, that that is the thing I remember from my childhood. That uh, the vacuuming robot. I'm I'm obsessed <laughs> with this guy. I'm actually here. I got a prop. I've uh, I've been building my own version of him. So uh, here's uh, the head yeah. in progress right now. <laughs> so. Um, <clears throat> yeah, when when I started out at Imagineering, this guy, the actual one from the attraction, was um, right outside my office. I can walk out 
And he was sitting there for the longest time, just kind of sitting in the hallway and everything. And I would go and get like right up to it and stare at it. And, and it looks cool when it's in the attraction, but when you're looking right at it, it's, it's kind of crappy. It's made out of like paper mache and, (laughs) and spray paint and, and, you know, like glue on sequins and things like that. But, but yeah, I mean, just like all the different pieces, this is Jules Verne. This is the the vision of the future. So it literally hit all the notes. That was my favorite part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so many different things. And then the emotional soundtrack of mm. going through, which when you hear versions of it today, you go through Epcot and you hear kind of remixed versions of of, uh, of the track and everything. It's just such an emotional experience. But but this attraction, the, I mean, let's let's face it, it was a little dated by the time they took it out. Uh, 95, I guess, is when, when it, I guess, officially closed. But um, but man, so many things about this that were way, way, way before it's time. And, and personally, this attraction is something that influences my design. So cool. So before we move on, folks, I know we have, we have, you know, we have several people watching. If you guys want to chime in with any of your favorite dark rides, we'd love to hear them. Uh, you know, and then so, we can roast you. what's that? And then we'll roast you. And then we'll roast you. Like, why, why would you say that? No, no. We all love all rides everywhere. There's no wrong rides ever created anywhere. So sure. this, this next ride really uh, it, it kind of defined my whole entire life of uh, theme park wise. So um, I, I, I remember uh, going to Disneyland as a kid and the, the 40, you know, 45th or 40th anniversary came about in 1995 ish and the Indiana Jones adventure um, was opening up and I was I I was there like two weeks before the official opening for what would have been a a soft open. I didn't know what a soft open was. All I know is that now I know that that's what they were doing. And my my family and I we waited in like a four hour line back when that really was a four hour line all the way out to Main Street. And um, I remember being completely blown away by the attraction. Um, this this kind of like Indiana Jones Adventure kind of redid everything. Like it's the modern day e ticket. Uh, really changed the game in a lot of ways. You know. Yeah, re- reestablished what we consider an e-ticket, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean we, we did have Splash Mountain, you know, which was really fantastic a few years prior. We had we had that was a fantastic ride, but like just Indiana Jones Adventure mixing of ride systems and and putting, you know, a simulator on a on a on a vehicle blew it away. I mean, it just starts off where you're, you know, at least in the version at Disneyland, you're in an unassuming adventure land. You come across a temple. There's such a sense of discovery. Um, first, of course, you got to get your decoder. Um, remember doing this, waiting in those lengthy queues, give you something to do, being able to translate, uh, you know, and it feels like they kind of did that at galaxy's edge a little bit too, creating a language, super fun. Um, you have interactive cues, you have, uh, you know, scene ones being able to, uh, pull on the rope or cause the spikes to go down. Um, really fantastic stuff and such a beautiful queue. And it's so funny cause it was the, the lengthy queue is kind of built out of necessity because they have to go outside of the perimeter of the monorail. Well, move the monorail and outside the perimeter of the park in general. Uh, and then of course, you, you know, this is kind of like a publicity shot, which is just so silly. Um, <laughs> and they get onto your, your ride vehicle. Um, and you, and I, I think you get, this is a concept art, but I stand behind the fact that the reveal for the temple room at, at Indiana Jones adventure is the best reveal in any theme park oh, anywhere. Um, it's Chuck Ballou art, by the way. Chuck Ballou worked on that attraction. He wow. he made some terrific renderings for that. And it's really not too far. Like you know, we like it's not too far off that what happens. You know, when you go when you crest over that edge and you go down the staircase, 
the the vehicle has been timed to go right in front of you go out the other ride vehicles are part of the show too um and it's just unfortunately it's like the best shoe i can get photo i can find but um it's absolutely fantastic and then you get to the i think the best coolest finale of any attraction ever which is the rolling ball scene um i'm not sure if you guys agree on that but i think it's the most when it's working is the best effect ever created on a on a dark ride and every time i'm going there and the ball's coming at me and i'm getting that close to it i just break out in hysterical laughter and screams and it gets me every single time <laughs> every time Unless you stop there. Well, sometimes the ride cascades and you're there for oh, like yeah, five minutes and like, dude, you've got plenty of time to jump in this car right now. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. I, and, and, you know, I, this is an industry show and I know people probably know how that scene works, but in case you don't, come watch this video. So I think that's just so cool. And I like to look down at the floor and see the, you know, the whole car wash effect happen. But we know that like they didn't want to pay to have the vehicles go forward and backward. It was a lot cheaper to just go forward and make this whole entire, you know, system around it, which makes you go look like you're feeling going backward and all that. And, you know, 99.999% of people have no idea that that's how that's done. Like they just, they have no idea. Like, and I don't think there's any, there's that many effects out there that truly blow people away like that. Yeah. Um, I love it. I'm just, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. Like I, <laughs> wish, I wish we had uh, any other drones adventure here, because um, it's like like when I go to Disneyland, the California. That's like why I really go is because I I love that. Now I used to work at Disneyland for many years, so I've been there, done that, all that kind of good stuff. But that ride is mwah, fantastic. Yeah. And, and so many things about it, like like talking shop, right? Like queue lines no one ever spends that much money on a queue line ever like like there there's some necessity to it but again there's so many lavish spins in that attraction and like effects that that partially went in that that like just were experiments like the um uh when indie opened there was the ice that fell from the roof and and um when you're when you're going right past the mara scene if you actually look down um the the sets are only painted till about mm -hmm six feet up everything below that is black because there used to be this fog curtain or right. this, this sort of layer of fog on the ground that the minute indy closed the door all that fog got sucked out all of those are super expensive effects so i can just imagine the like truck of money that drove up to imagineering at that time to like build this attraction it's just incredible yeah yeah and it's really like just like the ride system that i've seen tony baxter talk about it like you know they wanted to have a ride system where you feel like you're running along with it and they nailed it. You know, it's a thrill ride just enough and huge fan. Uh, but I'm, I mean, this isn't the Indiana Jones Adventure Show. There are other things to get to. So, Andy, why don't you go ahead and take it away and talk about your next attraction, which would be right here. Uh, well, I, I chose this one because uh, I got to go on it a few years ago. And uh, I, I, I want to start off by saying I loved Shanghai Disneyland. I loved I really loved it. You know, I, I, I went into it like ready to hate it. You know, I hated the pictures of the castle that I saw, and I hated it way less when I saw it in person, even though it's monstrous. Um, but I was really charmed by the whole park. And one of, I think, the highlights, uh, there were two or three attractions that really stood out. But I want to talk about this one because uh, the, the closest analogy that I could think of is that, I, you know, if 
the uh, Peter Pan's flight at Disneyland and Disney World is alien. This is Aliens, the mm. Peter Pan's flight, where it's like it's the same movie but turned up to eleven. Mm. You know, nice. uh, it's scene for scene exactly like Peter Pan's flight at Disneyland, but it's massive. I, I did a little scene, uh, 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 scene by scene. You know, like if you. Uh, um, that's okay. So, like for instance, like, you know, uh, in in uh, in Disneyland, you come right out of the uh, load, it, right into this scene, right into the bedroom, which is like a fraction of the size of this yeah. set. And you've got these beautiful animatronics that are floating in magical ways. And uh, leading up to it, you know, you actually fly alongside the house between the townhouses, and you see Peter Pan uh, project, you know projected animated uh, 2d animated figure or uh, animated uh, character flying into the window and then you see the uh, animatronics there and then when you fly through that room and you fly out the window it's like a hugely expanded like neighborhood set and then you turn a corner and uh get to london and there's the uh the projections the, the 2d hand animated projections of the characters just like from the films uh, on the clouds and it's just i just thought you know number one it's it's again it's a you know a unique ride system you know from day one in 1955 it's so unusual uh and it, it makes such good use of of the you know the top down view mm -hmm. you know and uh i don't know i just i was so charmed i mean i I went on this attraction probably more than any other while I was there in the three days I was there to the point where I think it might have been my last ride. It was one of those things where like uh, Shanghai Disney has this app where you can basically pay to cut the line. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, literally, you know, it's like you want to spend $20 to go on the Peter Pan right now. <laughs> the 90 minute line. I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> and it's like an instant fast pass. And I did that. It's called a bribe in America. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, but uh, uh, I did that more times than I care to admit for this ride because I just, I, I'd have lunch and I'd be just, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I want to go on it again before I leave. And, you know, I just thought it was just re a really great expansion and interpretation of a classic uh, existing ride, much how like, you know, like sort of the Pooh's Honey Hunt, you know, sort of like the reverse of that. But mm -hmm. You know, I uh, I was just so charmed by it and so wowed by it. There were so many wow moments. Uh, I think part of it was it's it was so familiar to me. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it was just like a spectacular, like dream version of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, like Peter Pan in, in the U.S. parks is is still an immensely popular attraction. Yeah. I think it's it's because of how effective it is and unique. Like you have the overhead ride system. And it's just a beautiful sort of experience going through. And I, I thought they did such a great modernization of that yeah. and everything. Yeah, that's what we're looking for, modernization, yeah. Yeah. And, and then also talk about how rare it is to go on a dark ride where something doesn't go wrong, right? That's always kind right. of like the, yeah. the thing that is the catalyst for getting you into an experience. This is just, you know, you're going to go through this beautiful adventure and everything. And it's it's just such a wonderful story. Yeah, it's a beautiful story. And it's told just, you know, with sublime art direction and and you know the character designs all hold up and they're iconic yeah well now we're going to leave to go to a attraction i've never heard of 
Um, Jason, take it away. <laughs> so, so this is uh, so we're gonna go to an attraction. I don't want to say like I'm sorry if anyone worked on this attraction, but this is this, to me this is this was the antithesis of of Peter Pan. This is a um, an attraction that I ran into randomly. I didn't even know it existed at uh, Hustin Bosch, which is a Dutch theme park in uh, just outside of Nagasaki in Japan. So the image you're looking at is in the middle of Japan. It's it's not uh, the Netherlands, and and um, but you go in and um, walking through the park, I randomly found a One Piece attraction. One Piece, yes, the the anime favorite. One Piece has an attraction inside of this Dutch theme park, um, and it uses a Peter Pan ride system, literally a flying boat system. Now there are no pictures of the actual ride because there are none to be found. I, I've barely found videos of this thing. There aren't any pictures if you Google search this thing. Maybe if you Googled it in Japanese, you can find it, but uh, but I cannot find anything. But picture, if you will, going on Peter Pan, except they've replaced all of the show scenes with either video screens or very static still vignettes mm. of the One Piece characters, but non sequitur, no real story to go through. It's literally just like, here's your favorite characters going through this attraction. And it is bizarre. <laughs> like, uses technology well. Like, there's different pieces inside of this. Um, and, and, like, there's there's good video moments and good sculpts and things like that. But, man, is it, like, so appropriately Japanese. It is, like, the, like, just such a, a weird like trip mind trip going through this whole thing um and so if you know me i just love weird experiences i can have a whole <laughs> other show on like the weirdest attractions in the world but yeah. i would put the one piece for the new world that's its subtitle one piece for the new world goes in like probably number three in the weirdest attractions in the world well there you go uh, <laughs> check it out next time you're nagasaki you're near nagasaki <laughs> well all right i'm up next with my final favorite ride of the night um this one is really changed the entire <laughs> these are it's another game changer um but this time from universal uh creative um of course it's all the same people that do disney rides too but uh we it's the wizarding world of harry potter with harry potter and the forbidden journey um completely changed i mean that whole entire area was unprecedented with the level of immersion um and the forbidden journey attraction with the kuka arms the magic of that all that good stuff the queue uh it really changed things uh for universal and i think the first time that universal really kind of took a real shot at disney uh and they have the attendance and the you know the huge capital to to improve it uh i i went on this ride just like i talked about Pooh's honey hunt and I was so disoriented on that ride, and I had no idea what had happened. The first time I went on, I kept my head completely back the entire time. And I had no idea how big or large the projection domes were. Uh, I had no idea. It was just so disorienting the entire time. And I, it was an absolute thrill. I love going on this ride whenever I'm there at the park. Um, and the fun part about this, you know, it's a beautiful setup for the, the exterior. Uh, probably the best facade of almost any, any universal attraction uh, you know, that we get into some like beautiful facades that, you know, it's a small world and things like this. But I mean, completely stunning setting. Um, the queue is fantastic. Like I mentioned, uh, great, you know, effect with the the port, the talking portraits throughout the queue. 
Lots of just uh, fully done, great, fantastic effects. And then, of course, the, the the almost the best part of the ride is just looking to your left or right while you're on it. Uh, so you can just marvel at the technological wizardry of Kuka arms going through a building, dispatching every seven seconds, which is unreal and remarkable um, that that's what's going on. You know, particularly the projection domes uh, kind of borrows from uh, the old uh, imagination or not imagination uh, journey into your imagination or journey to the imagination with pigment uh, where you'd have those revolving show sets, similar things. These are lining up with projection domes, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, and then going out of them. What's that? And they're all moving while you go on them. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah that, they never stop. Never stop. Never stop. And, and the, 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 the scale of the show sets, like the, the whomping willow is it called where it's like the huge tree coming at you. Um, just absolutely stunning. And, uh, you know, I think it really, I don't want to say put Universal on the map, but they already were, but we know it revitalized Islands of Adventure. And as soon as they built it, everyone, every other, every other park was going to get it. Um, and it's, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic ride. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good use of that technology. I mean, we all knew Kuka arms were going to get repurposed for entertainment at one point or yeah. not, but I mean, it took a lot of time and research to do that, but, but talk about like difficult ride systems. Like the, the ride system itself can kill you. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's just programming that's separating you from being mangled on that thing. <laughs> Very true. Very true. So, I mean, it's, but um, yeah, I, I got to work with Kuka Arms. I worked on um, uh, some of all thrills at, mm. at Disney and, and um, saw how just difficult it was to, to figure out the, the physics for everything. But mm. um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it just interesting use of that system. I thought they used it really well. Again, like, technology should always be in service to story we always say that but that one did it well it didn't gratuitously use the ride system at all in fact i think they could have used it even more and it it could have been even greater so great great ride system and and great use of it yeah uh it's yeah just love it so with all that let's go ahead and wrap up with andy and of course we're back at universal for another Fantastic attraction if you're into that sort of thing. Let me pull it up here. Yeah, this was another game changer too. This was like sort mm-hmm. of like the first game changer at Universal, you know, at, right? It was, you know, just, you know, what, uh, how many years? 12, 12 years before um, Potter. But uh, yeah, the Spider mm-hmm. uh, the Amazing Adventures of Spider Man was one of those attractions that, that changed the game, if you will you know, for the uh, attractions industry with the combination of, uh, you know, the um, the motion-based uh, ride vehicle with the 3D uh, screens and the, the squinching that along, went along with it where mm-hmm. the, as the vehicle moves through the scene and, and past the projection, the perspective in the, in the uh, media changes to match yours. And, you know, with the 3D, it's, you know, with now, especially with the new media, it's, it's to me, it's really seamless. Uh, but uh, and then the combination of the show sets, you know, blending seamlessly with the media, uh, and that incredible moment at the end where you're falling down towards the street and all, you know, the physical sets of the the windows of the building going up and all that stuff is just was it's so disorienting and so amazing and so thrilling uh, that you know I I get vertigo every time <laughs> during that scene. Uh, it, my brain is just like, yeah, this is real. You're gonna die. <laughs> but, um, 
uh yeah i mean it's incredible i mean it's a great property you know it's you know um uh, i think it came uh it was just before the sam raimi spider-man movie by like a year and a half two years yeah um uh, so it spider-man wasn't huge like it is now uh or like it was certainly like it was you know after the raimi films came out uh but uh you know it was uh, I, I think it's an incredible use of the ip uh i love the the moment that you have on screen with it where the pumpkin guy throws the pumpkin at yeah. the flame pumpkin at you and, and you get the heat blast with the with the the uh the pyro blast and everything is just it's just a seamless blend of 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 uh show set action show action elements and and media and i think it's a great integration i think that's sort of like uh the thing that ties all of the attractions together that i was uh talking about today is is a seamless use of, of physical show sets and media the pumpkin by the pumpkin guy hobgoblin man Get it hobgoblin. Right. sorry, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. This minus two nerd sorry. points for you minus so two sorry, nerd Mar points. So sorry marvel fans so sorry <laughs> this is definitely like the ride that's like the benchmark that people are like is it as good as Spider-Man? Like it is the attraction that even as, you know, attractions from Universal have come out, you know, it's still a toss up. People say, I don't know, Forbidden Journey versus Spider-Man or Green Guts or whatever their latest, you know, late, you know, Fast and Furious versus versus Spider-Man. It's always the one that people put up to. And it it if you're into media, which we it's a tool that you use, it is the most seamless integration of its time um, where yeah, if you buy into the 3D aspect and you're in it and you're a part of it, the blending of it and like you said, that quick changing set technology, like it is the template that everyone tries to copy. We know we all know those parks that try to do it, and it's mm -hmm. just they did it best. And they they the way that they and even when they did Transformers, Transformers is different. It doesn't feel the same as 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 Spider Man. In my point of view, you know, uh, not to get too in the weeds on it, but like Spider Man just is really successful about you knowing who the bad guy is, knowing who the good guy is and tracking with what is going on, even though it's a lot of chaos. And sometimes newer attractions, there's so much going on, you have no idea where you where you fall in the story. Um, and it's just like, it's so fantastic, you know, that the way that it interacts. Uh, and and the way they point, they they cover your field of vision and make sure they know exactly where you're you're looking, just yeah. like a movie, you know, that 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 never really happened before. I mean, Haunted Mansion can do that with the Omnivers, but even then, you know, it's it the, there's the, the show sets are so big. This one really, it's pointing exactly where you want to go. And if you look to, if you look behind you or you look up or you look down, you know, you're going to see things that you don't want to, but that's only us. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, it, 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 go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say, it's, it's just such a wholesome adventure too. Right. Like mm -hmm. you talk about the difference between that and transformers. Um, there's just this like wholesome quality to, to Spider-Man and not to mention the fact that you have like fire and, and, and anytime you put, actual fire into an attraction it's just this this primal thing that comes out and everything so it's just it has everything going for it and that great fog effect you know where you're yeah. spinning around in the tunnel you're just totally disoriented um yeah um i also want to do an honorable honorable mention if i could since it's really not a dark ride but uh one of my favorite rides since we're doing favorite rides is the hogwarts express mm -hmm. uh, it's not really a dark ride i mean i guess technically it might be i don't know but uh that's one of my most favorite uh, rides in any park is it's such a you know talk about the queue and then the reveal of the ride vehicle and the loading and unloading process and and the trans trans 
transportation transportation like transformative nature of the attraction where how often do you get to go on an attraction where you start in one park and end up in another one and you know you feel like you've gone on a real journey i think it's incredible i just think that that's so magical really truly magical mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, and well if we're gonna add things i will um i think that rise of the resistance is the greatest attraction ever built. I didn't mention it, but um, because you know, we have I think a lot of people know of it already and I've been on it. I'm blown away by it. Um, but we're we're I, I just shed light on no, more, more lesser known attractions like Pooh's Honey Hunt and Indiana Jones and Forbidden Journey. But um, I think Rise of the Resistance is is the greatest attraction ever built, in my point of view. I'm not sure you guys follow that, but that, I just think it's fantastic. Uh, but it's like it's like several attractions in one, so it's it's kind of you know, it's cheating. Sadly, yeah, I, I, I was supposed to go on it the the week of the lockdown. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Rise is the Spider Man of of this time. I mean, this yeah. is the that is the next bar setting attraction that just from beginning to end is is such a different experience. It's it's um it sits in a category of its own for sure. Yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun, uh, Jason. Thank. I hope we were nice to you, and I hope you enjoyed being on the show. Yeah, had a good time. Fun, <laughs> fun talking dark rides. <laughs> um, and for, uh, we had a lot of comments in the feed, mostly Joe Fox. Um, he Hi, said Joe. Mystic Manor. We did talk about Mystic Manor in our side chat, so we know that's a beloved attraction. And um, he's recommending watching Horizons. So can do, can do that. Let's see what else he says. He said Fantasize is about doing an updated version of Horizons in the same way they did with Peter Pan. Oh, oh yeah, I would love to. Yep. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, it's like a lottery ride. It's like okay, I won three hundred million dollars in the lottery. I'm yeah. going to open up a park where it's just the uh, updated Horizons attraction. <laughs> it belongs in a museum. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, good night, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back most likely. No, we'll be back next Monday night, nine o'clock. Uh, and I actually next week. You know, who knows? Things might be opening. Like we know, I mean, Disney Springs, Universal City Walk. We know parks, things are opening. So we'll probably be covering a little bit of that. I don't, I doubt I'll be going back to work anytime soon, but it's going to be interesting to see what's going on uh, as parks are announcing their opening. Uh, so we'll be back next week, folks. Until then, uh, Jason, thanks for joining. And Thank you very much. pleasure as usual. And we'll see you guys later. Bye. All right.